we'll do something a little different. Um, but if I did have a message, I think I would entitle it Excel Still More. Excel Still More. I want to read this morning 1 Thessalonians. This is a book that, uh, a letter that I've been mulling over quite a bit lately and a couple of passages in particular. Um, and uh, I thought it would be interesting today just if we could take the perspective of the new church at Thessalonica and what it must have been like to receive the letter from Paul. And um, to give the historical perspective of the letter, I'd like to start by reading Acts 17, 1 through 9. Now when they had traveled through Amphilopolis, it's a hard one, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them. And they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. They stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things, And when they received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. In verse 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Then it goes on to talk about their ministry there. So this was a church, a new church of believers in Thessalonica, which was this uh, incredible port city uh, in Macedonia. And this is part, as I understand, of Paul's second missionary journey. And um, he had received a vision Uh, of a man uh, beckoning them to come to Macedonia and help us. So they come to Thessalonica. They spent three Sabbaths reasoning with these people, and some accepted the Lord, and and they started this new fellowship. Well, they had to leave. The church is in persecution. They've gone on Berea. And um, Paul is concerned, and Silas and Timothy are concerned about this new fellowship. And that's the context of the letter to the Thessalonians. They're a new community of believers. Paul and Silas had to leave them suddenly. They're concerned that Satan might tempt them and draw them away from their new faith. So unable to return himself, Paul sends Timothy to check on them. And after receiving a good report from Timothy, Paul writes a letter to the Thessalonians to do four things. One, to encourage new believers in their faith. Two, to exhort them to godly living. Thirdly, to give them assurance about the eternal state of believers who have died. And fourth, to defend the integrity of his ministry as an apostle because it was being called into question. So this morning, I want you to pretend that you are this new fellowship of believers 
in Thessalonia. Now, we're not a new group of believers, obviously. Some of us have been walking with the Lord now for decades. We've been together as a fellowship for 24 or 5 years. Um, but in terms of eternity, that's still pretty young. So, this morning I want you to think in terms of we're that new church in Thessalonica. We've been under persecution. Uh, right from the start, things have been difficult. And our spiritual mentors, our father in the faith, you know, only, we only knew them less than a month, but they're gone. We're still continuing to meet and to serve the Lord. But then a letter comes. It's a word from God. And I'm going to read the whole letter to you. And I want you to receive it as a letter from Paul. And I want you to think about if there are particular areas of the letter that, that really speak to you. And when I'm finished, we're just going to have a time of sharing. And, and let's see what God wants to do with us this morning. Let's open by prayer. Father, we come to You this morning because where else would we go for words of life? Lord, I thank You that Your Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I just pray that we would be able this morning to receive this letter from You that encourages us to godly living um, and the other encouragements that are there, Lord. I just pray that by Your Spirit this morning You would speak to the areas of our lives where we need to hear. Give us ears to hear. Help us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. We commit ourselves to Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, we've received a letter from Paul, our brother. Here it is. Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren beloved by God, His choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, 
but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exultation? Is it not even you? in the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming, for you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all distre- of our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another 
and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that we may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgress and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, and attend to your own business, and work with your hands just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we believe that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Madden family, be comforted with those words. Joyce will rise first and then you will meet her in the air. Now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who are dr- get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. 
But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Preston, Greg, Bill, we esteem you. We love you. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a letter. (laughs) Can you imagine as a new fellowship receiving this and having it read? I can imagine that for week after week after week, can we read the letter? Read the letter again. Now what did he say about... Could you read that again? And this morning, we've fulfilled the word by having it read to the brethren here again. There are certain passages that really stand out to me and and I want you to think for a moment about something that might really stand out to you. But in chapter 2, verse 13... Really struck me. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Well, I think about our society today and how, you know, when we were young, some of us, it was considered a Christian nation. We haven't been a Christian nation for some time. Um, but certainly the spiritual influences in society have changed radically in the past 20 years. There are a couple of major stumbling blocks that I see for people to receive the Lord today. And the enemy is very active, obviously. The biggest stumbling block is Jesus. You can be right about every aspect of theology and faith, but if you're wrong about who Jesus is, you're wrong enough to lose your soul for all eternity. And many people are willing to accept Jesus as a good teacher, as a good person. But when you talk about Jesus being God, the God-man, fully God, fully man, you lose a lot of people. (laughs) It's a stumbling block. Another stumbling block is the Word of God. People want to interpret it, but they don't want to do as these people did and just accept it. Not as words of men, but for what it is, the Word of God. When we in faith 
receive the word like these young believers did, God opens his word to us. It becomes living and active. Um, and it's until somebody comes to the point where they believe that Jesus is who he says he was, is, and that they believe the word of God is that, the word of God. Those are stumbling blocks that until you come to a place of faith, of surrendering to Jesus and believing in his word, you have no faith. We were talking about grace earlier. The grace of God for us is that Jesus has revealed Himself to us. He chose us. Um, I'm trying to remember now which verse that was. But it, He chose us. We didn't choose Him. It was the grace of God for whatever reason that enabled us to believe in Jesus, to accept Him for who He is, to receive the Word, and to be transformed. This church is off to a good start, but there's some areas they're struggling with as new believers, sexual immorality being one of them. And even mature fellowships, particularly in our day, we're seeing it in the church. Sexual immorality is rampant in the church. We need to be serious about the Word of God and do whatever is necessary. And that may mean shutting off the internet, getting offline, you know, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Well, disconnect the internet if that's the problem. But we need to be serious about dealing with these areas that, that are causing us not to grow in Christ. But the essence of these letters is excel still more. And I think that's the word for us today. Um, God has saved us by grace. He's brought us this far as a fellowship by grace. Uh, there are a lot of areas of victory in our lives where we're walking with the Lord in, in understanding and knowledge. But we got to press on. We need to excel still more. We know how to love one another because God has shown us how to love one another, but we can excel still more. So, that's the primary message of this morning is the Lord has revealed to us how to grow in Him. Um how to love one another. And we need to excel still more. One verse that I've really been mulling over a lot and trying to understand what God is speaking to me in the second half of my life about is um, chapter 4, 10 and 11. We urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. I love that verse. Uh, I love working with my hands <clears throat> and I love the idea of a quiet life. But how do you put that in the context of continuing to have an outreach to the world around you? And... I, Preston and I had lunch the other week and we are talking about the next phase of our lives. And he shared a book with me called Halftime that I'm starting to read um, that's going to help in this area, I can tell. What's the next chapter? You know, God, what is it you want to do in my life next? And I think it has something to do with this verse. But I don't know it yet. I don't know it all. Um, 
Anyway, I just want to open it up right now to any of you. If there's anything in this letter that God really spoke to your heart this morning, is encouraging, um, challenging, an area where you need prayer, does anybody be willing to share anything this morning? Randy, first of all, when that verse you were just talking about, four uh, eleven, mm-hmm. and, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and intend uh, to your own business. I never forget what the Phillips translation of the New Testament says. He says, "Make it your ambition to have no ambition." Mm-hmm. And he's talking about ambition as far as the things of the world are concerned, the things that please man. Mm. But to make it your ambition just to please God. Amen. Andy, I appreciate you um, bringing up the, the, the background story of this because it really does help. And coming out of worship where I was really wanting to um, give God thanks for his grace and you realize he'd only been there three Sabbaths and the church had formed and then he had sent Timothy he's writing this letter I was just thinking about how much he probably could have complained about mm-hmm. he didn't even bring up anything that he wanted them to do differently until chapter 4 so he'd already gotten through this introduction it was just and when you Coming at it from that standpoint of brand new fellowship and living in the midst of a pagan Greek culture, you know, he he reconnected with them, talking about the ministry he had with them and how much he loved them and enjoyed them and how he saw God's faith in in action in them and his longing to come back and see him again. And then he says, and finally, in conclusion, Let's live a life pleasing, and the the one thing he really talks about is sexual immorality, and uh, how key it was then, and how key it is now. Now, I mean, we can't ever overlook the sight that sexual immorality is displeasing to God in all of its many forms, and uh, and yet here Paul was really extending grace to them, just reminding them of what this is like. And then he says, okay, I know that you've started, so let's reach higher. Let's go more and more. Um, and then the final instruction, Judges, short and sweet. I mean, rejoice always, probably without ceasing. You know, just this, 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 little bullet phrases. And to me, just thinking about the, how new that fellowship was, how gracious Paul was towards them because he knew that it wasn't his work that did it, it was the grace of God working in them that was going to bring about this, this sanctification. Mm-hmm. And that great verse in 524, faithful is he who calls you, he will also bring it to pass. It's not our work, it's the work of God in us. Anybody else? I guess for me, um, one of the things that's been on my mind and my heart is it seems like in the last few years we've gone from one crisis to another crisis in this country. It's just one thing right after the other. It doesn't even seem to get a week or two break before we have some other crisis that's just hitting us as a country and, and you know going on and on and on. It's 
And it's like, okay, Lord, what do I do as a Christian with all this? I mean, what, where are we supposed to be and what are we supposed to be doing? And I, I'm struck by verse uh, 5 that uh, says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. In other words, they were in crisis. There were things going on all around them, and they didn't know what to do with it in a lot of ways. But you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light, sons of day, and we're not of the light of night or of darkness. And then it's then skipping down, it says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. You know, there's so much going on, really and truly, if we can keep our mind of what God is doing instead of what's going on around us. That would help so much. You didn't know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. You know, it's just we're bombarded with one crisis after another, but really and truly, what it comes down to is what is it that God's doing and what are we supposed to be doing? And He is telling us way back here that the seasons and the times are there. And really, it hasn't changed. I mean, there, there may we may be at a closer time where one thing right after the other keeps coming at us, but really and truly, the whole thing comes down to what are we supposed to be doing? Where are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be faithful, loving, hoping, and about what we're supposed to be doing, sharing gospel with people. That's it. And the rest of it, the world's going to be where it is. And there's not a whole lot we can do about it other than say, God, please help us walk our way. So that's, I guess, what's kind of on my heart today is because it's just, you know, with the with the stuff going on with the Congress and the Senate and the White House and the Syria, and it's just crazy. You know. We're to be sober and alert. Sober and alert. Well, you know, Peter tells us, don't be surprised that the fire trials that have come upon you, but that they're not coming to all men. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you they were coming, and they're coming. And you follow, you said verse uh, 14 and, and chapter 2. But the last part of it, it says, you know, you're suffering at the hands of your own countrymen. And then it continues on. It says, they're not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. And then it says, but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. Mm-hmm. The ones that hinder you from <coughs> speaking the word of God, terrible wrath is coming upon you. Mm-hmm. 
Good reason to pray for your enemies. Yeah, don't be surprised at the sufferings that are going to come. Yeah. But we are. We're always surprised when it comes. You know, why me? What did I do? Mm. That was a word that spoke to me in there too about we're children of the light of the day. We shouldn't be surprised, you know, by these things. You know, and Alan, Alan mentioned last Sunday that every chapter has some reference to the return of Jesus. It's coming again. And you think about it, you're writing to a, a brand new fellowship and and this is a this is a point that Paul makes repeatedly, is that no matter what you see happen in the day, there is this another day coming and let's be prepared for that day mm-hmm. and he, he, keep, he continually points to that that time as a you know everything's been made right you know the guilty will be judged and the, the saved will be freed and he points to that as a not as a threat I don't think but as wisdom and uh, Greg I think that's what you're saying is that we need to remember and that's probably part of the quiet life now is because we know there's a day coming where mm-hmm everything's going to be exposed and we'll receive what God has. So we we need to remember that when we speak to people just that we don't in any way not let them know that there's a, a day coming where all of God's plan is unfolded and revealed to us in the day of judgment. Well, that's a very powerful tool when you're writing to brand new believers is to make them aware that that day is coming. Because he mentions it in every chapter just like Alan said. I went back and looked and yeah, it's in there. Here it comes. Oh yeah, that's about this. Don't forget about this. Live life life pleasing now because this day is coming. And uh, some people see that as a threat. But I, I see it as wisdom and God's grace that he would inform us what's about to take place. Many of you know that I, I've run a uh, an online forum for fishermen for about eight years, and we've got over almost twenty thousand members on there. And part of this quiet life question is: there's a part of me that just wants to leave all of that because I've noticed over the past eight years there's a spirit of contentiousness that's developed, and you see it in forums. Like you never, you don't see it anywhere else. I don't think. And I don't know if it's this anonymity that people say things they would never say to your face, um, but it's part of that wanting to disconnect. Uh, but then again, Lord, um, and there's people at the gate, you know, that just want to argue about anything. <laughs> you know, um, trollers, I guess, would be the um, trolls would be the the modern day term, but. Uh, you know, Lord, what's the? There's an opportunity to have influence here, and if everybody pulls away from a, a forum like that where you have a presence, then there is no presence. But um, boy, I'd really you, like to go work with my hands and you are you are leave God's that grace to those twenty thousand members. It's like herding cats <laughs> dealing with children. <laughs> you are the gift of God's grace to those twenty thousand. They don't put it that way. <laughs> but you know, all of us have. You are God's grace in those 20,000 fishermen. I'm casting the net out yeah, there. Yeah. 
You notice somebody else always tells you to keep on going when you're the one that's getting all the feedback. <laughs> Fortunately, there are some men who hold my arms up in it. So, um, but you know, all of us have some kind of sphere of influence, and there's a part of us that would rather not deal with all that pettiness and that that mess of those people's lives. But we're the presence of God in those lives. We need to excel still more. <laughs> Bill? Did you have something else? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else have anything you want to share? Um, yeah, I, I want to just say a couple words here real quick. Um, out of the verse that you read, let's see, was it? Yeah. Uh, verse 13 in chapter 2. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And so, you know, that's that's the word which transforms our mind. So, what we're to be what we're to be about to me is to is we're to be becoming more like Christ. And then it kind of looked to me like connecting these two phrases. One in in verse in chapter two, um, verse one, it says that our coming to you was not in vain. So if you connect that to um, the phrase in chapter 3, verse 2, to encourage, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, that seems like that should be the focus of our heart. It kind of goes along with what you were saying, Bill, is my coming to you, anybody that we you know come to in life, that our coming to them would not be in vain. But we, the purpose for that relationship would be to strengthen and encourage them as to their faith, or if they don't have one, you know, to, to 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 preach the gospel. So it just, you know, it really seems to me that it's it's letting God have His work so that we're becoming. Because then, the more we become, the more we're, you know, the more we are producing fruit, you know, thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. And then, the kind of our mission is. That we don't, you know, we don't come in vain, and we come with the purpose of to, you know, to to strengthen and encourage a person as to their faith. And that's kind of what I got a pulling for me personally out of that. Anybody else? Just very simple, but I was just I wasn't reading it; I was just listening and then writing down what was jumping out at me. must have been such an encouragement to Paul to to get such a good report about them and that such a young church was having far-reaching influences already the word their word had gone beyond them Um, Greg would you close us in prayer one last comment before I did that I noticed that uh, modern preachers take a cue from Paul in this letter 
because in the beginning of the third chapter, he says, finally, brother, and then he's only 60% of the way through. That's <laughs> 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 what preachers do today. They say, and finally, and then they go on for another 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I pray that your word would find deep root in our hearts so that we can recall it, so that it makes a, an impact in all that we think and all that we say and all we do. Because, Lord, apart from your word, apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit, we know that there's nothing in us to, to commend us to others. Only by the grace that you that you call forth in our lives and, and cause to shine, Lord, can we be any sort of a have any sort of a, a pleasant, sweet aroma to other people. So I just give you thanks Lord, for your grace, your great mercy toward us. And I pray that the name of Jesus would be exalted in what we think and do and say. In his name. Amen. Maybe one more song. Page 21 here. Page 21, right. You stood before creation. touched a place in our heart or our mind Lord a, a place where we have not excelled more and more Lord a place where we need encouragement Lord a, a place where we need to re, be reminded that uh, we are going to be opposed Lord a uh, a reminder to flee sexual immorality, impurity of any kind. Lord, the, today is the day of salvation. Today is now, Lord, this is the hour where we confess our, our sin before you. So I just want to give you an opportunity to privately before you and the Lord to seek his guidance and to seek his mercy seek his forgiveness corporately and yet individually
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we can stand. You've given us a robe of righteousness by your measurable greatness and riches. from us our sin as far as the east is from the west. Lord, you've written the law of your love upon our hearts. Lord, you've given us commands, precious commands. Lord, you've you've made promises and commitments towards us. Lord, you've been faithful towards us in every, every act of yours. Lord, your mind is always for us and never against us. Lord, all of your word is to see Christ manifest in his glory within us. His earthly creation of dust, frailty. Lord, we are but a vapor and yet your glory is revealed within us and to us. Lord, how can we respond to you except to say yes and amen, Lord God? To give you thanks. Lord, I pray that you would break every chain of sin that remains in us. Lord, that you would give us an ambition to be pleasing to you. Lord, and strike away from us the things that would draw us away from you. Blessed be your name, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for the fellowship of your spirit among us. Make us strong, Father, in your might. Let us excel in loving one another, this brotherly love spoken of. Thank you, Jesus.
how happy you are that your word accomplishes everything for which you intended it. Lord, how happy you are that your word has never failed. Lord, how happy you are to glorify your son Jesus in the lives of those who have you've called and have given themselves to you. Lord, how pleasing it must be to you to know the end from the beginning. rejoice in your grace and work within us. We rejoice in your word and work within us. Let it continue, Lord. Let it continue, Father, in all of its many ways. And to everything we put our hand to, Father, may your Son be glorified and may your word be proven true. So we ask for grace in our lives and our families. Lord, we do pray again for the Madden family. Lord, just the juxtaposition of so many different thoughts this week. Oh, Lord Jesus, the the passing of dear Joyce. Lord, she's been such an encouragement to us and such a such a revelation, Lord, of of your grace and action in our life, Lord, and her, her love for you and her devotion to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, her strength. Lord, her her counting every day is precious in you. Lord, would you bring your comfort to to the family? Don't gather around Cecil and Mary Beth, would you? Cecil Sr. to excel in loving them in prayer right now, would you? those days filled with joy the birth of a child the fulfillment of a dream the the glorious understanding of your word and your promise in our lives 
Lord, we just pray that you fill their hearts with those memories of, of all your goodness and a life shared. A hope shared. A joy shared. And Lord, the afflictions of recent years, it, Lord, has seemed in Joyce's life to bring her closer to you. I think that would be everyone's view, Lord, everyone's testimony, that, Lord, she grew closer to you through facing this battle. And, Lord, for that, we give you thanks. She is now with you.